Welcome back to another episode of Let's Just Talk About It podcast. I'm your host, Chuck, and if you're here for the first time, this platform was created to give genuine people just like you an opportunity to share a portion of your life's journey. So with that being said, today I have David Carmichael on with me, where he shares how it was growing up in a foster home with his brothers and sisters in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and ultimately to his survival in the streets of Washington, D.C. So you don't want to miss this amazing story. As a matter of fact, do me a favor. Go and grab your husband, your wife, your children, or even call a friend and listen in together to my conversation with David on Let's Just Talk About It podcast. Hey, let's jump right in. Today I have David Carmichael on with me today. So first of all, man, how you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed today. Thanks for asking. Yes, sir, man. Good to have you on. And uh, as always, David, man, I love to jump into my interviews to have those genuine conversations with genuine people just like yourself. So first of all, where are you from? First of all, I'm uh, I'm an older guy. I'm 62 years old. Okay. Born in the state of North Carolina in a city called Goldsboro. When I turned 18... I left Goldsboro and moved to uh, Norfolk, Virginia gotcha. to be with my sister. I lived there maybe six months, trying to get a job down at the shipyard, but I was too young for the job, so they didn't hire me, so I moved to Washington, D.C., and I've been in D.C. ever since then. Wow, so you've been in D.C. since that time? Since 1978, yeah. Wow, 78. Wow. So how was it for you, like, growing up in that era, that time of 78? Well, uh, I was raised in a foster home uh, with another five brothers and sisters. Mm. But my mother actually passed away when I was when I was like six years old, so I wow. never got to know my mother. My father was one of those that had another family uh, besides uh, families me and my brothers and sisters. Got you. So I was raised without a father, actually a uh, biological father. Mm. But I was raised uh, going to church, which I'm glad I did. Absolutely. Uh, I, was, I was taught right from wrong yeah, at an early age. Yeah. I, did, I didn't like going to church, but when I got you older... You were made to go, right? <laughs> I was made to go. Absolutely. But when I look back on it now, mm-hmm. that was the best thing that could have happened yes, to me. Sir. We can't understand it when we're young, but yeah. Yep. Absolutely, man. So you say you was raised in a foster home. Uh, yes. Well, the story was, by being six of us, mm-hmm. uh, the foster home... They like to take two kids. They don't take six. It was six of us. Yeah. So we'll take these two, or we'll take that two, wow. we'll take a girl, we'll take a boy. Mm-hmm. But uh, fortunately, uh, we found someone that took all six of us, my brother and sister. So I was able to wow, at least with them. grow up with my brother and sister. Yes. Yeah. So I was blessed as far as being into the found nice foster home that took all six of us. Mm-hmm. So being in a foster home, man, what was that whole experience like, man? Because I always say, David, you never know who's listening. Somebody who's going through the same experience, man. And sometimes we feel like we're the only ones who've experienced being without our fathers and our mothers. So how was that for you emotionally growing up in that environment? Well, emotionally, I knew that something was missing. Yeah. Uh, the love wasn't there. The foster parents were more concerned about what they received. Yeah, from getting sick, from having six kids there. Feeding us was not a priority. But when the toy service come around to uh, see the kids is there and all that, that's the only time when the good meals occurred. You know, the fried chicken, the potato salad, all that yeah. good stuff. That, that's when that came out. <laughs> yeah. So, 
when the check came out. So I learned out. then that it was yeah, when the check came out, it was it was that's the only time when yeah. um the good stuff came out. Yeah. But I felt blessed because I was around my brothers and sisters. So Absolutely. I was raised that off as no big deal. Yeah. As part of our growing up. Mm. Wow. So man, you in that foster home. So when you finally got grown, you know, it could be on your own. How was that like? How did you cope in DC? Well, one of the reasons I was anxious to leave uh, mm-hmm. the foster home because I was told that I had a half-sister in Norfolk, Virginia, yeah. and I've never been to, uh, to Norfolk, Virginia. Wow. So uh, I set out on a journey to locate her, uh, which I did. And as I indicated earlier, I moved there for a few months. And it felt different, a new world, new responsibilities. Because when I was in the foster home, you know, I was... Uh, going to the store stealing a little cake mm-hmm. and candy from the shelves. Yeah. So I was no different than the other guy that was in my neighborhood. We right, all right. got in trouble and, and doing things that we knew we should not have done. But being the foster home, it was not a good experience. So I was anxious to leave there. And when I did, I felt, I can say, you owed yourself I felt something. more, yes. So I knew there was another world out there, somewhere, but I had no idea on how, mm. how to get there or, mm. or what to do. Yeah, wow. So you like grew up trying to find your own way in life. Yes, that's, that's pretty much what happened. When I left North and came to D.C., mm-hmm. things began to turn south. Mm. You know, I say that because mm. the reality kicked in. Right. You know, where are you going to live? Survival. Where are you going to work? Yeah. It's survival, you know. So I met guys that had other ideas, like, hey, you can get a couple of dollars here doing this. Back then, we call it we call it weed back then in my right, day. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. We call it weed. Yeah. And that had many other names, but so mm-hmm. I started out selling weed mm-hmm. to survive. Right. It worked for a while until I got locked up for doing it. Okay. Talk uh, about it. Mm-hmm. I was locked up at a prison in D.C. called the Lordy Prison. Wow, I heard about Lordy. Uh, Yes, it was. It's bad. What you hear about, I'm sure it was true, and it was very, very bad. Yeah, I was sentenced to five years back in the day for uh, selling weed. Mm-hmm. But when I went there, I met so many people that they had been out of jail, and they began to teach me. So while I was there, I picked up bad habits, thinking that I can get smarter at not getting caught. Yeah, them kind of things. So being in Lawton. For the first time as a young man going in there, because I heard about Lord and they tore it down now, right? Yes. Yeah. So what was that experience going in there? Because I always say, again, you never know who's listening. That whole prison experience going in there for the first time as a young man, that had to be kind of scary for you. It was. It yeah. was very scary because by me being not from the area, most of the guys there knew each other from the neighborhood. And my first morning there, they served breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I never forget they served pancakes that morning. I was hungry too. <laughs> right. And I noticed they were bringing pancakes around, serve guys, they were giving guys four or five pancakes. When they got to my cell, they gave me one. Mm. So I said, Excuse me, can I get another additional pancake? And the inmate said, Look, no, you're not, because we don't know you. Who are you? Wow. We don't know you. And I said, Wait a minute. So I said, You have to know me in order to give me another pancake. So they caused a problem. That there was enough to get me in a situation something. where I wanted to get, get, yeah, it started something where I had a beef with the guy at the prison. Yeah. Which ultimately led to me being stabbed at the prison. Wow. You know, one thing led to another, behind the pancake. Behind the pancake. Because I wasn't from, yes, because I wasn't from a particular neighborhood. Mm. You know. But as time went on, I learned to adjust. Mm. Uh, I met guys there that was like me that wasn't from the D.C. area. Right. Like I was young, I was probably 20 years old at the wow. time. Wow. 
And I was letting my way. I did my time. I got out. Got a job, of course. And the streets would continue to call me. And I would answer. Back in survival I would answer mode. The streets, back in survival mode. Yeah. Because the rent in D.C. was, was extremely high. Mm-hmm. And the job I had did not cover the rent. Not making excuses as to what nah, I did, nah, I to why mm-hmm. I did what I did. Right. But the rent was extremely high, and I wouldn't be a car, which mm-hmm. I wound up getting, couldn't pay for. Right. I wanted the final thing. Like I feel, like I'm a man now. I'm 21. Now I should mm-hmm. be able to do this and do that, and do the other. Just after you got out of prison, and out of Lord. After I got out of Lord, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So within two years, guess where I was at again? Back at Lord. Back at Lord. Wow. Yes. Wow. And this time, it was not for five years, it was for 20 years. Wow. And I said, oh my God, I had to wind back up here. So that 20 years was the worst thing that could happen to me. Hold up, wait, don't touch that stop button just yet. We're not done, but I just wanted to pause for a minute and talk about my new business venture called Let's Just Talk About It Media, LLC, a business geared towards helping you along your journey of becoming a podcaster and a content creator. It's like having your own personal consultant. You can also purchase some promotional space right here on Let's Just Talk About It podcast with Chuck to promote your business on one of my episodes, just like I'm doing right now. So hey, if you're interested, you can reach me at 757-737-2861 or you can email me at Let's Just Talk About It 22 at yahoo.com. Okay, I'm done. Let's jump back into this amazing conversation with my my friend David Carmichael. Let me ask yeah. you. You said you went back. So, what would you say to a young man right now, feeling like somebody owes him something? What would you say to him right now, who's on that road to a Lord in prison? Well, I would say what I would say to most young men today. Mm-hmm. If I can speak to my younger self, I would say, "Hey, I would say, look, young man, whatever you want in life, you're going to get it. Yeah, but you have to work for it." Right. It's not coming easy. Mm. If it come easy, it's going to go easy. Work for it, and you appreciate it more. Yeah. You don't have to be involved in the life of crime, going to jail, because you're wasting your life in jail. Mm-hmm. It's not worthy. Any thoughts of trying to get fast money, it's not worthy. Because everyone I met in prison had the same ideas I had. They made money, and when time came, they lost it all. Mm. So I would say to a younger person, they focused. Yeah. My mistake in life was not getting educated. Mm-hmm. So if I can go back many years ago, I would get educated. Yeah. I would finish high school and I'd try to go to college. Right. Because life is short and there's no time to be in jail wasting your life away. So that's why mm-hmm. I say to a younger person right today, life on the streets is not worth hustling. Got you. So now you're back at Lorton. So what happens then? Well, uh, I learned from my, my previous uh to just mind my business, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because everybody was in particular groups or gangs and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I learned to stay away from, you know, all types of illegal activities. Yeah. Even smoking marijuana with guys could cause a problem. Run your time up. Yeah, it, it run your time up. I've mm-hmm. seen so many guys come there with two years mm-hmm. and wind up with 10 years. Wow. You know, for fighting and getting fighting other guys or getting fight with officers. Yeah. So your time would definitely get ran up at the Lord in prison or any prison for that matter. So I learned how to stay to myself, mm-hmm. keep my head down, you know, listen to the officers and do my work assignment and take myself away from the whole environment by going to myself, closing yeah. my door. Yeah. 
that way I can avoid most of the problems. Mm-hmm. So I met you through Bo Billy. <laughs> a lot of people hear about Bo Billy, his name. So you're friends with Bo. So you met Bo on your second time around. Yes, I did. Uh, I met Bo Billy when I went back the second time. Mm-hmm. And the prison I was at was for the so serious, serious, serious offenders. Okay, this ain't Lawton now. And it's still Lawton. Yeah, okay. Lawton had a variety of prisons. All of us called Lawton. For the minimum, the maximum, the medium, gotcha. they all called Lawton. Mm-hmm. And on this one day, the prison said, everybody locked down, locked down, locked down. Right. We're wondering why. Right. We're wondering what's going on, but this, this was unusual. And before we knew it, we had, they had a helicopter flying above. Wow. And they had extra officers coming in to the, from the back area. Mm-hmm. And they were escorting this guy named Bo Billy <laughs> into the prison. Wow. They shut the whole yeah, prison he had down. Changed, they shut the whole prison down. We didn't know what was going on. They had they had them cuffed up with all kind of chains, right? Stomach and legs and everything. And behind that, they had dogs wow. behind them. The helicopters, they brought him in like he was a serious, serious someone that, you know, that they caused serious problems. Right. So that's why I met Boy Billy. So when I, when I got here to talk to him, mm-hmm. he told me that he's from the uh, Virginia State Prison System. And Virginia had a problem with him. So they sent him off to D.C., Lawton, to be housed. Wow. That was my first time meeting Bo Billy. Right. So how did you get close to him being? He came in with dogs and chains and all that kind of stuff. How did you get close to him? Well, at the time, I had a job working in, in the kitchen. And my mm-hmm. job was to feed the inmates on lockdown, in a lockdown unit. Right. So I would cook the food and go to the area where Bo was locked down at. We called the hole. Yeah, the hole, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I go to the hole. I give him his food, and he said, man, I don't want that garbage. He just throw it back out, you know? Mm. So after a couple of days, I told him that, look, I will prepare something special for you, just for you. So I started frying chicken or fish or french wow. fries on special trays and started taking it to him, you know? He looking started eating. Yeah. yeah. Looking out for him, and we became friends. And mine, I tell you, that was 30 years ago. Wow. 30 years ago. And 30 years ago, and right today, both Billy is still in prison. Yeah. And this was 30 years ago. So I met him, you know, through fate because of the job I had at the time working in the prison system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about Bo Billy. They heard about him. But Bo is a good dude once you get to talk to him. You know what I mean? That's so true. I, I learned that firsthand. Yeah. Because as I mentioned, at Lord's prison, it's so violent. He is so very violent. Uh, I had got stabbed mm-hmm. for the second time at the prison. Wow. And by this time, Bo Billy was no, he was no longer on lockdown. He was out in the regular population unit. Okay. When Bo Billy here, I got stabbed, he ran and got a knife to go look for the guy that stabbed me. Wow. And when the guy seen Bo Billy coming, he ran to the police officer. Hey, this guy going to stab me. You know, I want protection. Mm. The same guy that tried to stab me, Bo Billy was going to stab him because of the friendship him and I had developed. Wow, developed you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bo Billy is a good guy. I want you to know him. Yeah. Loyal guy. He take his friendship. Yeah, he take his friendship very serious. Wow. Yes. So from that point on, we became good friends, and and, and right today, we stay communication with one another as often as we can. He still, you know, trying to get out. Yeah. Thirty years later. Wow. Again, shout out to Bo Billy, free Bo Billy, man. I hope he makes that parole so he can come out here and get that second chance. Yes. Yes. So that whole experience about getting stabbed. So that had to be a scary experience for you. It was. It was. Yeah. It was not just for me, but yeah. for my family as well. Right, right. 
like most people, when they get stabbed in prison, they get thrown out on the helicopter to be, be serious. Right. It doesn't be like a simple cut. It would be a serious stab. And in my case, I ended up with a punch along, and I had passed out. Mm. And the chaplain at the prison had called my family and said, hey, your brother didn't make it. He died on the way to the hospital. He died in route on, in the helicopter to the hospital. They told wow. my family this. Wow. Because so many people get stabbed in law prison. So many didn't, didn't make it. So the chaplain, it was bad information, but he, he called my family and said, hey, your brother died in yeah. route to the hospital. Yeah. You know, sorry to tell you this. But what they didn't know was that I was unconscious for like three days at the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, and by the grace of God, you know, I came around. Right. You know, so what it is, you know, uh, I, I had surgery. They they patched the wounds up, give me a stroke surgery, closed the wounds up, and all that. You know, mm. I had lost I had lost a lot of blood. Wow. You know, laying on laying on, on on the cold ground for a long period of time at the Lord's prison. Right. And my heart started beating. You know, you know I was practically, I guess, I probably was uh, gone. But due to the uh, personnel at the hospital, mm-hmm. they had been back around. Wow. Wow, man. Glad you made it, man. Glad you made it. So what happened to... Yeah, thank God. Yeah, thank God, man. So what happened to Bo in that situation? Did they get him off the compound or what? Did they lock him back down? What happened? Yes, once the guy... It was actually three guys. Bo was going at all three of them. He didn't <laughs> care. Bo seen the guy that stabbed me and Bo started going towards him. And the guy ran to the officer and said, hey, I need protection. This guy going to stab me. So the officers protected the guy. They protected him, put him away, and then they locked Bo down, so Bo couldn't get to him. Wow, man. That's a friend. <laughs> Protect you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was a friend, no doubt. Yeah. So He, so, he definitely was there. Let me ask you something. We're talking about Bo Billy, and um, everybody deserves a second chance. If you had a chance to speak on his behalf to the parole board for him, what would you say to him? I would tell the parole board that from the way I know Billy to be. Mm-hmm. He's rehabilitated now. He wasn't the same person he was many years ago. Yeah. Bo Billy had a chance at freedom. Mm. You hear about the bad things that Bo Billy did, but what about the good things he did? Mm-hmm. People don't know that Bo Billy saved a correction officer from getting killed or raped or whatever. He saved her life. Wow. They don't hear about that. Yeah. They don't hear that he did good things. He saved other inmates from getting uh, stabbed. But the officer life that he saved, they don't talk about that. So Bull Billy did just as much good thing as he did bad thing. Mm. So what I say to people that don't know him, mm-hmm. he needs a break. Mm. 30, 40 years of incarceration is enough for yeah. anyone. Yeah. And in Bull Billy's case, he didn't kill anyone. He went in with a 10-year sentence. Mm. So I would say to them, you know, have a heart. Give him parole. Give him a chance to show that he deserves a chance at freedom. Wow. That's deep, man. I appreciate you sharing that, man. Because again, you never know who's gonna hear this. You know what I mean? You never know who's gonna yeah. hear this. Yeah. So yeah. you out now, David. Like we hear a lot about trauma. We hear a lot about depression and so forth. Do you feel like you know what I'm saying? That's a problem for you since you've been out, or have you learned to manage in society good? Well, anyone that comes out from the prison system is going to experience a certain amount of trauma. Right. You know, that comes with being released. That's a fact. Because mm-hmm. it's a new world when you come out from incarceration. Mm-hmm. And yes, I've experienced trauma, but I didn't let it affect me to the point where I needed to be uh, reincarcerated again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had family support. I had friends around me that would guide me in the right direction. Right. 
and uh, and tell me what you know what I should do or what I should not be doing. Yeah. So trauma, mental illness, mm-hmm. all that comes out from being incarcerated a long mm-hmm. period of time. Mm-hmm. How can a person be incarcerated for X amount of years and not develop mental issues? Right. It's, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's how you deal with that issue, you know, when you come out. Yeah. I did seven years and eight months. I didn't do nearly half the time y'all guys did. But, you know, a day is enough. But even coming out and going in a store, you always feel like somebody watching you sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, David, man, what, what are you up to now? You home, you're free. What do you do now? Well, now, uh, yes, I'm, I'm home, I'm free. <laughs> and I tell I tell my friends now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Since I've been home, there is no bad days. Talk about every it. day is a good day. I like that. I tell my friends, by the grace of God, it's a nine every day. Mm. Because I could have been in both situations or so many others. Three, there is no bad days mm-hmm. compared to you know where, where we come from. That's right. So yeah, so you know, I'm I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Like as a matter of fact, Fourth of July holiday. Mm-hmm. Which is a bad day for you. When you're locked up, holidays are bad. Yeah. All of it's bad days. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you used to be around your family and friends. This past holiday, I just sat there outside to myself and I prayed to God. I Thank like him for, for letting me be out on yeah. this holiday. Yeah. Although I did nothing special, mm-hmm. I wasn't locked up. So I say to all the young yeah, guys sir. out there that's throwing stones at the prison, you continue to throw stones. You go in there and you don't have to be there. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of a young life. Mm, absolutely, man. Before we go, is there anything you want to say to the listening audience or, you know, to Bo or whoever before we go? I want to say that um, for those that are still incarcerated or those that's in a bad position in life, it doesn't mean you have to stay there. It doesn't mean that you have to live in the past or live in the now. Mm. Your future is your future. Yeah. You can make it. You can mold it any way you want to be. You decide your ending. You decide how you want your ending to be in life. You decide what comes next. Right. Don't let them decide for you. Mm. You decide. So if you give them a chance at freedom, take it. Thank God for it. Enjoy your freedom and have a happy life. Yeah. That's what I would say to anyone. Man, I enjoyed this conversation with you, David. I appreciate it, man. Your wisdom that you gave to the listening audience, to the young guys, and the encouragement you gave to Bo and to those who um who are coming out. I appreciate you, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. All right, thank you. Y'all have a good day. All right, you too. Wow, what an amazing conversation. Shout out to my friend David Carmichael for having this dialogue with me. You know, one of the things he said that stuck out to me was that if you're in a bad situation in life right now, that it doesn't mean you have to stay there. In other words, it's not the end that either you could choose to live in the past or you could choose to create a better future for yourself. That is all up to you. So again, shout out to you, David. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to Let's Just Talk About It podcast. And please check out my website. Just Google Google, let's just talk about it podcast.com and then hit that subscribe button to receive all the new episodes every Friday. You can also find me on Facebook. Just type in Chuck L-J-T-A-I, which means let's just talk about it. So as always, until next time, don't hold it in, but let's just talk about it. Talk to you soon.